Matthew 5, 23 and 24 in the message. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave it immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. The second part of this very interesting. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. You remember you'd call someone a problem that you could do something about and you did it. Now you must get right with God. Two people are involved. God and the person you offended by your attitude or behaviour. God can't accept your praise and worship while this remains undealt with. The Pharisees had a sort of a sliding scale, a balance they used. They thought if they worshipped and brought offerings enough, it would balance their wrongdoings. But God says, no, 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 go and put things right. I cannot accept your offering with that in the way. Rat sandwich time. We saw it with Cain and Abel. He was very angry when his offering was not received, so he brought God another one. His brother, have that and be satisfied, he was saying. Unfortunately, you see, it all comes back to our relationship with him. Nothing of this happens in isolation. This is why some time ago we issued, covered the issue of 1 John 1, 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word isn't in us. So you know what you did to make this happen, Jesus says. Now go and make reparation, apologise, whatever is needed with the person concerned. Then come back and worship me and I can receive it. When you've hurt or offended someone and done nothing to repair the situation, don't think your outward piety and offerings will get you anywhere. This is all about the relationship with him. He can't fellowship with you while you have issues outstanding in your life. A show like the Pharisees isn't enough. Whitewash. Outward appearance was what he had against them, an illusion of purity that he described as whitewash. If you've upset someone, go and put it right, because it's as bad to have this in your life as if you'd murdered someone. He can't fellowship with something that isn't the same as he is. That's why he gives us his righteousness, so we can fellowship with him. But it has to be worked in. This is where, in stark contrast to the outward show of the Pharisees, Jesus brings it right back to the issue of the heart because out of the abundance of it, he says, the mouth speaks, Matthew twelve thirty four. If you didn't know there were such things as sins of attitude, let me bring another piece of inconvenient enlightenment. Missing the mark by thought and attitude is as serious to him as if you committed the act. This is what the sermon's all about. Your attitudes, your be attitudes, what you think in your heart. We can try and comfort ourselves by thinking we haven't committed murder or stolen or bad-mouthed anyone, but do we do it in our thought life? Calling someone a fool, despising them, speaking against them, judging and criticising, resenting and hating them all come into the category of attitude sins which arise in the heart of man. They're many and varied and they open up, as they say, a whole new can of worms. So what's the remedy? 
change your thinking, renew your mind, because the thought is father to the act. Serious business, character, conduct and influence. It's all about these guys. Could cause some of us to stop right there and think for a moment about our thought life and start to make the necessary mid-course corrections. The journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step.